You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us open our Bibles together. This morning we turn to Psalm 23, the Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then we turn to 1 Corinthians 11. There we take up the thread as the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Verse 17, In the following directives I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And that is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come... I will give further directions. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, last Sunday we turned our attention once again to Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. 
Over the last number of years, we have slowly been making our way through this tumultuous Bible book. And then we came last time to the first part of 1 Corinthians 11, where the apostle has some very controversial things to say about women and their role in the worship of the church. This week we turn to the second part of 1 Corinthians 11, and again we find ourselves dealing with controversy. Only this time the controversy is not about women, but it's about the Lord's Supper. There was big trouble in the Corinthian church with regards to this sacrament that we are going to celebrate together this morning. And what kind of trouble was it exactly? Well, the Apostle Paul describes it in four different ways. First, he says they were partaking while there were divisions among them. Look at verse 18. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. For those of you who are familiar with this particular church at Corinth, this will come as no surprise. Because already back in chapter 1, we heard that there were divisions among them. Some were following Cephas, some Apollos, some Paul, and so forth. And that is a sad, sad commentary on this church. Here they're about to partake of a sacrament that speaks all about unity, but they are very much a divided bunch. And that's sad not only for them, but that's sad, we might say, wherever it happens. Divisions in the church of Jesus Christ are always dangerous. They always do a lot of damage. They sap its strengths, undermine its witness, ruin its reputation. And what about the Lord? And how all of this reflects negatively upon Him. But if there are divisions in the church of Corinth, there was also selfishness. In verse 21 we read, as Paul says, For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. We're not sure, but most likely in the church at Corinth, the rich and the free men would come in, eat their fill, and drink whatever they wanted And the result was that very little was left over for the slaves as well as for the poor people. You see, no one really had any proper regard for anyone else. As long as I get what's mine, that's all that matters. As it is with unbelievers, and so it is unfortunately with all too many believers as well, it's all about me and having my needs met. So in the church of Corinth, there was a lot of selfishness and self-centeredness. But Paul also says there was carelessness too. In verse 27, he says, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Obviously, there were certain members who would eat and drink without at all respecting the holiness of the sacrament. They lacked an attitude of proper care. They failed to take the sacrament seriously. They showed no regard whatsoever for the special character of this meal. 
careless participation marked their lives. Yes, and sometimes, to be honest, it may mark ours as well. And finally and fourthly, there was also compromise. If you go back to the previous chapter and you read verse 21 where Paul writes, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. Apparently some of the members would go to the local temples and they would partake there. And then they would go to the church and they would partake there as well. They failed to see any difference. They refused to make a choice. They wanted things both ways. Yes, and that too is nothing new. We have it still with us today. There are those who think that they can combine the church and the world, Christ and mammon, God and devil. We worship God on Sunday. And pleasure is what we worship on Monday. And so, beloved, when you look at all of this, you have to conclude that there is quite a problem in the Corinthian church. It's all an ugly embarrassment. But then what is one to do about it? What can one do about it? How does one correct such a sick situation? Well, if you look carefully at our text, you can see that the Apostle Paul suggests a number of remedies. And actually, they are three in number. He says, the remedy to this tragic situation, this disobedient circumstance, is first of all to consider Christ, then to consider yourself, and thirdly, to consider others all around you. First, he says, the members in the Corinthian church need to consider Christ. And then if you read very carefully, you can see, he says, you need to consider Christ in terms of past, present, and future. First, he points to Christ with regard to the past. Verses 23 to 25, the well-known words, for I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Here the Apostle Paul reminded the Corinthian believers and us about the origin of this unique meal that the church has. It all started on that special Passover night. It was the highlight of the Jewish year. And that night was filled with song and symbolism, with story and ritual. It was all about a great deliverance, about a lamb who was slain in place of the firstborn. It was all about a people set free. But he says it was on this Passover night, on the same night in which Jesus was betrayed, or betrayed that he took some bread and he announced, this is my body. 
And then he took a cup filled with wine and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. In other words, he took a feast day that marked an ancient deliverance and he made it deeper and fuller and richer and abundantly more personal. He presented himself as the Lamb of God who has come to work the comprehensive deliverance of all of his people. Eat this bread and remember the sacrifice of my body for you. Drink from this cup and remember the shedding and the pouring out of my blood for you. You see, Paul here, first of all, reminds his readers how this meal connects to a special event and to an even greater exodus, an exodus out of sin. But then, beloved, the Apostle Paul also goes on and he does something else. He not only connects what Christ does to the past, but he also says something about what Christ is doing today at this very moment. In verse 20, he announces this is the Lord's Supper. And that means he is the host. It's his meal. We are eating it even today with him. And so, beloved, this is not just a supper in memory of him. No, it's a supper in which he is spiritually present. We don't serve and worship a dead hero. We have a living Lord. And in a sense, in this supper, he is busy communicating himself to us as his people, even today. And that as well should make the Corinthians, and it should make us, think twice about what we are doing and how we are eating and drinking. And so Paul talks about Christ in terms of the past, the present. And you can also see that he talks about Christ in terms of the future. In verse 26, he reminds us that we are to do this until he comes. Every meal is to be for us a foretaste of an even richer, fuller meal to come. There's a better day and a better feast coming. As the world around us flounders and as our personal lives suffer setbacks, this meal holds out before us the message that full redemption is coming. Soon the night will be over. The morning of glory will dawn. And so Paul is saying, you and I, we should do our eating and we should do our drinking in hope. But then, beloved, if the Apostle Paul points us to Christ's past, present, and future, he also does something else in this text of ours. He, he warns us about ourselves. For example, he warns us not to partake in an unworthy manner. 
not to become guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord, not to eat and drink judgment upon ourselves. Now, how do we do that? How are we to avoid all of this? Paul says in verse 28, you do it by, by properly examining yourself and scrutinizing your life. In other words, before you partake, you need to look good and hard at yourself. Not at your neighbor, at yourself. You need to weigh your own life. You need to measure your own actions and words. You need to consider the way you live. And that's not easy. But it is necessary. Earlier in chapter 5, in the case of the immoral brother, Paul writes, get rid of the old yeast. And thereby he's saying self-examination may have to lead to action, to repentance, to a hatred of sin, a fleeing from sin and a running to God. And only when we do that, only when we have that kind of a, of a spiritual attitude and mindset, will we be able to participate in such a manner that we do not end up eating and drinking judgment upon ourselves. Ironic, is it not? This meal that should be the source of great encouragement in the Christian life has within it the potential to do great damage to that life as well if we handle it improperly. But still, beloved, if the remedy of the offenses committed in the Corinthian church lies in considering Christ and in considering our own spiritual needs, it also lies in considering others. And you may ask yourself, well, which others? Why, first of all, others in the church in the body. Verse 29 says that we need to eat and drink recognizing the body of the Lord. Now that raises a perplexing question, namely this, what does that expression, the body of the Lord, refer to here? Some say it refers to the flesh and blood of Christ, to the elements of the Lord's Supper, but you know, it may also refer to fellow believers, because together we are in Christ, one body. And a proper celebration blesses all true believers. At the moment that the Apostle Paul is writing this, that was not happening. For some of them, he says, were weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. In other words, you've died. You see, careless consumption. And so the harvest of sickness and death among them. But if careless participation was doing all sorts of damage to them, just imagine what blessings will flow from a careful participation 
It will strengthen, encourage, and invigorate them in every spiritual and physical way. It'll put a new song in their mouths and a new joy in their hearts. You see, beloved, a conscientious participation together in this meal pays dividends for the church, for all the people of God. Yes, and one more thing, it would also spread good news into the world. Paul says that a right celebration will proclaim the Lord's death. It'll be such a boost in the lives of believers that they in turn will have an impact on their neighbors, on their fellow believers, indeed on the world at large. For when God's people are truly spiritually nourished and refreshed, when this happens as a result of the body and blood of Christ, they will be ready and able and willing to bear witness in the world and even to do battle with the evil one. But truly, we need to understand this is food for the road. This is food for the daily struggle. This is daily sustenance for living in the midst of a very challenging world. And so, beloved, in these words, as well as in so many other words of Scripture, Christ says to you and I, eat this bread, drink from this cup in faith, And my Father will bless you. And my death will redeem you. And my Spirit will transform your lives forever. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.com dot org.